The Grappling Hour is brought to you by BioPro Plus, the faster, easier, and safer non-synthetic alternative to painful anti-aging and hormone treatments. So the day of, it's usually just a lot of relaxing. I take a lot of naps. Uh, I don't eat anything special. I think that day, I think I had B-dubs. I could what? be wrong. I didn't eat anything special at all. <laughs> hold up, hold up. When you say that you have B-dubs, are you having wings day of? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, Derek. I, first of all, I don't know that I want to compete or roll against you if you're having B-dubs day of, sir. What is up, everybody? It is your friendly neighborhood BJJ podcaster, Rafa Sparza, coming to you with another great installment of Grappling Hour. My friends, if you are not a subscriber or a member, do that right now. Do us a solid. Go on YouTube, become a subscriber. But if you want to see these interviews before anybody else, and you might be, you might actually have already become a member of Grappling Hour, and you do that by going to high.page backslash grappling hour. Listen, I can implore you so many times, but if you don't meet me halfway, you're going to miss out great interviews like the one we're about to do right now. And you're going to see a lot of cool stuff on our premium side where we do tape studies with some of our favorite athletes, people who have been in the UFC and who win major championships. For example, Ethan Krellenston broke down his championship performance against Nathan Orchard at CJJ Worlds 2022. Our good friends Gabe Green and Joe Selecki break down their UFC wins. It's a lot of fun. All right. Go subscribe or don't. I'd prefer if you do, actually. So I'm really not going to talk too much shit about that. Our guest today. This dude is interesting for a number of reasons. Number one, he's a friend of the show. And yes, although he was a correspondent before, he is now coming on as a guest. Why is he a guest? Well, he just won at the Sub Spectrum event that happened. Our good friend Jordan runs that, does an excellent job. And I figured he's won a few things before, but it felt like this was the right time to finally bring him on in recognition of his own work and not the dumb shitty work he does as a correspondent. Now, I'm halfway tempted to tell you that I don't feel like bringing him on. I, it didn't really happen until maybe about 10 minutes ago when we're doing the pre-interview. And then just out of the corner of my eye, I see my man wearing this hat. And it begs the question, why would I bring on a guest who's already made bad decisions in his life? Nonetheless, we'll bring on our guest today, one Derek Fleck. Derek, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Um, obviously, the Boston hat is just from the city of championships, so... Oh, wow. Can't make okay. too many bad life decisions when that's the case, right? Are you from Boston? No. Okay, so then how did you, a kid who's not from Boston, find yourself wearing and supporting a Boston team? Um, I mean, I live in Iowa, obviously, so there's not a, sport, a professional sports team pretty much on any level. Uh, and the default team's... I got sick of their fan bases when I was young. 
So I kind of picked an underdog because this is when the Red Sox were the Yankees' little brother for a while, which has obviously flipped around. And growing up, I was uh, 13 when they won the World Series, and I was a fan probably in 20 – or not 20, 2003 when uh, – they had uh, ALCS lost to Aaron Boone hitting the home run in extra innings. So big Manny Ramirez, Pedro Martinez, that squad there. Big fan of them. Great. And then you kept this facade going. What do the people in the Midwest say? Because they look at you and they go, could you have picked one close to us maybe? Because we're not short on teams around you. Well, well everybody's a Cubs fan. So in Iowa – the most common uh, sports team fan bases are the Cubs. And they, I will never understand why people enjoy watching the Cubs. And then you have Chiefs fans, which my family, a bunch of people in my family are Chiefs fans, including myself. Uh, had My family's had season tickets for like 30 years. So very common. And then uh, for college football, just I, the Iowa Hawkeyes, for some reason, people love for football. And I will never understand it because there's a lot of bravado around it. But then usually when Iowa goes to play an actual football team, they get their ass kicked. So let me get this straight. Baseball, Boston, football. Oh, you're going to love this. Chiefs. Okay. What am I going to love? Where are we going next? Washington Capitals fan for hockey. Oh man. Okay. And then (laughs) my college team is the Florida Gators. You look like you've picked your sports fandom through a dartboard. Like, did yeah. you put a map up and just go, uh, I don't know. I got nothing to root for here. Ah, shit. Okay. Well, I guess I'm a Gators fan. Yeah. Ba- uh, yeah, basically. Uh, I just, so when I was a kid, I, I was a big football fan growing up. I played football. We'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, but. They were just really, uh, really entertaining when I was younger. Chris Leak was the quarterback that got me really involved with them. And then uh, watching them win national championships um, in 2006 and 2008, I want to say. I could be very wrong with that, but I can't remember the exact years. But, yeah, watching that happen as well. Just continue the fandom up until this day. Well, good for you. I think it's time we break away from that and we get into one thing real quick. So first off, congratulations. I believe you're the 205 champion of Subspectrum, sir? Correct. Okay, excellent, excellent. Thank you. Now, before we actually get into a little bit of a breakdown of the match, I did want to bring up what I saw that caught my eye that you later then (laughs) sent me. And then I think the thing was you thought I didn't have enough context to render a decision. I had plenty of context within a short 15 second clip from my perspective. And I'll narrate it and let you know what I thought was going on here. You win. And because Jordan is a showman and literally put up that he wanted to have it just like SmackDown of the golden era of the two thousands. You at the end of winning decided you wanted to do a stone cold beer moment. But then something happened. And when that something happened, it kind of derailed you. So that's kind of my interpretation here. Do you mind giving us full context from your perspective, sir? So the background is, is I had teammates that were Matt's side. 
So I, you can, so to verify this, you can ask Keith Krikorian, who was with me for a lot of this, right? Okay. So I went and bought a 12 pack bush light, which is basically water in Iowa. Okay. And I gave it to a friend, Matt side. I said, Hey, when I, if I win this match, this championship, cause it was a four person tournament, uh, technically five, but whatever. Uh, I had two matches. If I win the championship, I need you to toss me a couple beers. Cool, whatever. I won the match. So before my the tournament started, I went with Keith Krikorian, who can corroborate all this, and verify that this did happen. Went and bought a 12-pack of Bush Light, snuck it into the tournament, and had it mat side. So when I did win the championship match, I look over to my teammate and said, one second. And I went ahead and had him throw me a couple beers. He only threw me two. And that's important because prior to my match, I had a conversation with my the final opponent. I said, hey, do you want to have a beer after the match? And he said, yeah, sure, whatever. So after I'm tossed the two beers, I hand one to him. And I'm expecting a third because I want to, you know, smack the beers together. It caused a big ruckus, all that stuff. Didn't get them. So walked over to him. He was confused as hell as far as what's going on. I just got heel hooked by this guy handed me a beer. Uh, so it didn't go exactly as planned, but it still was pretty entertaining because there's that kid in the background of nobody knows who that kid is, by the way. It's just some random kid that was traumatized by some 205 pound guy slamming a beer mat side. So let me tell you my interpretation. I felt bad because I knew what you were going for. And it became the biggest stone cold blunder I've seen in some time for these reasons, <laughs> because I applaud the effort. The execution is something that as a true critic, I have to sit here and give you evaluative property Absolutely. here. So what ends up happening is just to fill in the context, you win, they do throw you the beers, you catch them, which is a plus. So I'll start with that. But when you catch them, you kind of, you don't go like stone cold with full attitude because martial arts doesn't allow that. So instead, you kind of like saunter over to this dude like, hey, bro, beer? And he's like, what the fuck? No. And yeah, exactly. to my interpretation is, I think to myself, oh, dude. Oh, man. This is the worst time you can do this sort of reaction <laughs> because they're filming you. And this poor dude yep. who has all the reason in the world to just walk off the mats and be like, all right, I did the hand raise. All right, bye, everybody. Instead yeah. now is on film being like, get the fuck out of here. And I didn't know that you talked to him beforehand. So there's a lot of stuff that's happening here. And then finally, I thought it was going to be worse because it cut off. But I saw that he did take the beer. And instead, yeah. you now with him look like the chauncyest of cheers <laughs> nice diet coke by the way thank you it's what powers me in the morning if i can't make my coffee in time so what ends up happening here you do a nice little cheers the dude goes away and you're now at a point where i go everything that's stone cold about this is the opposite of that this is now turned into instead of fuck everyone or don't trust anybody it's you sitting there being like be nice to everybody yay friends 
trust most people. They're good. So when I saw that happen, I go, this is, uh, this is backfired stupendously. I think, I think the biggest miss was not having a third beer. I think had I had a third beer, I could have smacked them together, did the whole self tears and got the big chug going. But yeah, I, I wanted to include him on it yeah. mainly because I didn't want it to seem like I was just celebrating like disrespectfully because they're a local gym that we cross train with all the time. So we still have to see each other. So I mean, I get it, dude. But the one thing I want to tell people is in martial arts, we take ourselves far too seriously. So yes. I always feel like, can we take a mulligan? Can I just have a bad day and just do this dirt dumb thing? And just recognize that it has nothing to do with you and more is a silly celebration. Because the idea that oh, yeah. you have to go, excuse me, sir, um, I know we train together and I don't want this to be in bad form. But I would like to do a beer salute with you, win or lose, hopefully win, because why would I beer salute if I lost? Oh, I guess really this is only at your expense. Ugh. Okay, well, fun story. <laughs> I didn't think this through. Like, to me, if you did that and I had lost, I probably would have told you, like, yeah, dude, I'm pissed. I'm not going to participate, but do whatever you want. And then it yeah. wouldn't be seen as, as a thing. Instead, you get a scene partner. It looked like an improv scene where the person said no and... And uh, just left the scene and I go, oh, man. But again, to that man's credit, that doesn't happen in martial arts. So no. how is he to know that? So when you sent me the clip, you did it dutifully. And you're like, Raph, I think you need to see the full thing. I was like, I didn't need to see any part of that. I already <laughs> knew exactly what I saw there. And to top things off, Jordan is like... I'm sure salivating at the mouth thinking like, oh, here's a clip that I can get. Oh, uh, this is that producer content that I want. No, no, we won friendship at the end. God damn it. So I knew even from his perspective, it's like, dude, he's probably thinking I have to clean up those mats, but worth it? Nah, it was too nice. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't too nice. It, it was, was friendly. It was fairly nice. Again, from what you and I have seen as the barometer of how that's supposed to go, you're supposed to stun that's the fair. opponent. You're supposed to stun I, yeah. his teammates. You're then supposed to raise the beers, drink a quarter of it, and have the rest of it guzzle down you. So <laughs> it was it was mostly in spirit of it. And, uh, you know, I felt like tagging yeah. Stone Cold after seeing it and just being like, what have you done? Look at you. I I tweeted Stone Cold. I said, did I do it right? Or maybe I did that on Instagram. It's not like he's going to see it. I don't think so. But, you know, if enough people uh, bring attention to it, maybe one of his friends see it. You know, I think that's the idea. You have to go through the subordinates first. Uh, you got to see who's down uh -huh. the Stone Cold uh, line. So let's see if we can find one of those producers. But I do applaud well, you for it. Let's. No, and let's just be clear, that was my first time attempting it. So, I mean, who gets it right on the first time? I'm pretty sure Stone Cold got it right on the first time. Like, no, I don't know if you no know chance. this. I spoke to him. I don't know if you know this, but think about this. That's a live show. So it's not like Stone Cold gets like a, excuse me, sir. Like, they throw him the beers after a match 
while still a little inebriated, is mostly catching most of them. And I've always been like, damn, dude, that's impressive. So. Yeah, but the very first time he tried it, that's the difference. Like, that was the first time I ever had beers thrown to me caught, and I didn't rehearse it in any way. By the time you see Stone Cold do it, it's like 200 times, 300 times that he's done it in the past. So you're saying that's his Carnegie Hall 10,000 hours getting to practice sort of nonsense. I'm pretty sure. As someone who's a self-described redneck, I'm pretty sure it was built into him and he didn't need any rehearsal. I think he is the Daniel Day-Lewis of beer drinking on television. So I'm willing to give him that much. But I'll ask you this. Is Stone Cold your favorite pro wrestler? Because if so, I think it's oh, more yeah. damaging to you. It, he was, okay. but that's just how it goes. Okay. All right. Well, when we tag him in this eventually, uh, I'll try and uh, tell him to just go in on you and just say, like, say whatever you need to say to Derek. I already do, but I welcome you to do it, Mr. Stone Cold. <laughs> so, Derek. Hey, I'll take all the tips I can get from him. You should. Especially, again, dude, you were a pinky up short of being British. Like, it felt like a really shitty version of them. Like, I thought you were about to get a spot of tea at the end of it. Like, that's that's how particular your beer drinking was. That's fair. That's yeah. very, very fair. Derek, let's get into the backstory, though. So first of all, let's actually talk about the matches. You know, I know that you train with Jordan, so it's not hard to get you on one of these events. But you've been a signature performer for his uh, his event. You've been on a number of those uh, cards. Um, you've been a previous champion before. I know Derek always, you know, uh, Jordan always speaks uh, very highly of you. But uh, how did you get on this particular event? Uh, so this particular event, there was a qualifier that took place on April 30th. Uh, so what Jordan said is that anybody who wins the advanced divisions will then be allowed to be on the pro show. And I don't want to have that sort of favoritism where I just get an invite just because I wanted to earn my way on. So uh, I went and I won the 205 bracket with, I think, three or four submissions that day. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, cool. And then how did the tournament go for you? Because you said it was a four person bracket. So that meant you had two matches to the title after qualifying for it. So uh, how did those matches go? So it was a five person bracket. I don't know why it was structured that way. It just was. And there was going to be a uh, what you might call a play-in match, and the winner of that would face me. The winner of that match was Jordan uh, Butler from Pedigo. He won his match, and then he was the first person I faced on the night. Uh, I actually ended up having a fairly quick match with him in the first round. I won by a 15-second outside heel hook. And then... Going into the finals match, uh, Jordan Marshall is the guy that, and I actually had a match with him on um, April 30th on that subspectrum qualifier, and I won on points against him. I actually had a last second sweep against him. 
Uh, and then going into that match, during the match, I wanted to wrestle a little bit. I wasn't able to. Uh, I kind of, like, there was a lot of uh, backpedaling going on. I was kind of pushing around the mat, which is fine. Uh, I tried to pull guard into a quick heel hook a couple times, and that didn't work. Eventually, I got to close guard, and we honestly sat in close guard for probably two minutes, which is the most annoying position. It is the most boring position ever. Uh, so we sat there, and then eventually I ended up getting a butterfly, uh, some butterfly hook things, started spinning, ended up in there. So, Derek, I'll ask this. When you're competing, this is also, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so sometimes there's a little bit of a lag on the uh, the communication here. And uh, I definitely, yeah. I don't laugh at a lot of things like this, but definitely there's a moment where the lag hits and you have this look on your face that just gets stuck. So this is all I could see for a split second was as you were saying, yeah, I don't really... And I go, I have to do my best <laughs> Perfect, not to laugh at this as he's talking about a very important aspect of his game. Uh, when these matches are happening, though, like how do you get into your zone? What is your process like? Because if you are somebody who's at least of sound mind to think I want to do something fun like a Stone Cold Salute, it tells me that you're already in a pretty good state of where you want to be competitively. So what does your competition day of mindset look like? Oh, I mess around a lot. I It's not something I ever take too seriously. Now, when it's a bigger event, I will take it much more seriously. So when I say bigger event, uh, the, it's like an IBJJF major or ADCC trials. That's a very different mindset than I typically have. Uh, like tomorrow with the quintet that I have going on for bullpen, I'm not going to be super serious. Uh, like you have those guys that, will psych themselves up. It's I, I like to go out there and have fun, put on a show, and win some money when I can't. So the day of, it's usually just a lot of relaxing. I take a lot of naps. Uh, I don't eat anything special, I think. That day, I, I think I had B-dubs. I could what? be wrong. I didn't eat anything special at all. <laughs> hold up, hold up. When you say that you have B-dubs, are you having wings day of? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, Derek. I, first of all, I don't know that I want to compete or roll against you if you're having B-dubs day of, sir. I'm trying to think what I had. I'd have to have Keith verify it. Maybe I had a buffalo sandwich. But, yeah. I don't, I don't eat anything special. Well, we know how you got the 205 oh, now. So you there would is love <laughs> My teammates make me for my diet because it's mainly so if you were to ask anybody who has trained with me over the last couple of years my diet you said hey so and so if you were to guess whatever meal Derek is going to eat today what's he going to have it'll probably be jerk chicken and a science the energy drink <laughs> why are you doing this to yourself when you're competing with the sum of the heavy people who are also very skilled at violence, sir. It, it doesn't bother me. So it doesn't bother me or my performance in any way. Now, 
when it gets closer. So the big thing for me is to be energized between matches and leading up to. So for instance, on the sub spectrum day, I may have ate lunch around noon uh, and had something small around four, but the show didn't start seven. Um, so not going to eat a big meal. So I'll have small little things. Some things I like are those little, uh, Oh, what the hell are they called? Stingers, honey stingers and such. I'll eat those and then I'll eat some Nutter Butters as well. Big Nutter Butters guy. But when it comes to a major tournament, because uh, typically I compete at 185. So when it comes to a major tournament, I actually have a nutritionist I work with. Yeah, I was about to say, I was like, I know that you dabble into the weight class I'm supposed to be. And I'll tell you this much, even when I'm not <laughs> moving around much from that weight, I still look at things and I go, I'm not competing, but I shouldn't have these things. Meanwhile, you in comp mode for 205 go, Nutter Butters, don't mind if I do. Nom, nom, nom. So that's the part of me that thinks this is the diet of an obvious <coughs> champion, but it's one that I just, I worry about. How old are you, Derek? I'm 31. You're thir Oh my God. No. Like with Keith, there's still the element of you're a child. You should know better, but of course you're wearing a, a Boston uh, hat right there, so you probably don't. I'm just saying, at a certain age, don't you start to think maybe I should eat a little bit better? So I eat fine. Like so, when I am actually eating day to day, it's usually chicken thighs with rice right mm. but to add to this and you're going to make fun of this and i'm giving you ammo right okay. i'm loading the gun for you right now handing it over to you for the longest time i there's so many foods i had not eaten right i'd never had uh oatmeal before i would never had potato salad hummus uh i've never had a margarita uh salsa all these things at one point I had not tried and eventually in May of 21. So, uh, at pans was the first time I tried oatmeal. And then I started this long list of other foods I had never tried. So, okay. Now that you're cultured, you're <laughs> like, what's this salsa people are talking about? I'd love so. How did you go all this time? Did you have salsa around you and you just said, nah, I don't want to try that? Yeah, that's absolutely what it was. My mom has a large garden with so many tomatoes, all these other things. She made. Unique things, I guess. So I have a lot of friends in my personal side of my life outside of jiu-jitsu that are from the Balkans. So I eat a lot of that food as well. I was just in Spain this last summer. Uh, I spent time in Croatia, Bosnia, and Slovenia. Uh, so I've had all sorts of different food. Uh, and my aunt's from Peru. So I've had all sorts of different cultured food. I just never ate really basic food, I guess. That's incredible. I still, I mean, hummus... I'm sure it hasn't gotten to the Midwest yet. So that's different. That's fine. Uh, but all these other foods that you're mentioning is it just makes me think like, how have you ever gone to a Mexican restaurant and they weren't like 
tons of salsa right next to you. And you're like, what is it? No, thank you. You can take that back. That goes back to the kitchen. Thank you. I just let it sit there. <laughs> I was like, get this red goop the hell away from me. I'm not going to eat this. I'm very glad that's the case. Uh, good. But now that you're the person that I'm sure is annoyingly like, have you guys tried a watermelon before? Oh, my God. This thing is delicious. Derek, you can't keep telling us every new food you eat. I'm going to. I'm going to start sending you text updates <laughs> of new foods to try. Thank you. Appreciate it. They're, they're definitely going to be foods. I can almost guarantee you I've, I've had more than once, but I'm glad that you're going to be sending me uh, progress charts of you being like, Raph, be proud of me this week. Put on my brave face <laughs> and I had brown sugar oatmeal. It's very interesting. So there is that. Do you wish that you could recover faster from workouts? Or training? Do you wish you had the same energy, power, stamina, and drive that you used to? Every year after puberty, your growth hormone decreases, sometimes by as much as 50%. And, spoiler, it doesn't come back. It doesn't matter how in shape you are or how good your diet is. Just like death, taxes, and sequels to The Fast and the Furious, they're gonna happen, whether you like it or not. But Raph, how does this affect me? a young jiu-jitsu practitioner who believes he will never get old. <sighs> well, growth hormone decreases can cause poor workout performance, slow workout and injury recovery, chronic fatigue, mood swings, depression, body fat, low libido, poor sleep, and a lot more. Though frankly, if you're asking me, that sounds like plenty. That's where BioPro Plus comes in. BioPro Plus is the first of its kind, 100% non-synthetic, alternative to prescription HGH growth hormone treatments. It immediately replaces what your body is not getting, and it does it naturally without the needles, nasty side effects, or the expensive costs of typical synthetic growth hormone treatments. BioPro Plus is not a synthetic drug, so it won't shut off your natural production or cause you to pop on any drug tests. Wink. ADCC competitors. Since 2009, BioPro Plus was only available through doctors, but not anymore. Now you can get BioPro Plus shipped directly to you. No doctor visits, no blood work, no pharmacy. If you're serious about your training, and I hope that you are, go to BioProteinTech and use the promo code GRAPPLINGHOUR for 30... We're giving them $30 off to our idiots? Okay, it's their money. Go to BioProteinTech and use the code GRAPPLINGHOUR for $30 off. So go check out BioPro Plus today. Before your competition does. Derek, let's get into your origin story. Where does jiu-jitsu and your martial arts journey begin, sir? So uh, just to set it up a little bit, I actually played high school football. Uh, I was recruited a little bit, went to a junior college. Uh, junior college, I ended up going and playing in uh, like semi-pro minor league football team. Uh, I, I had a lot of concussions, so around the age of 24, I stopped playing. At the time, I was 250 pounds before I started jiu-jitsu, and I actually started jiu-jitsu in May 18th of 2015 at New Coach BJJ. Uh, that's where Jordan trains currently. So from there, the origin story was I just wanted to get into something that was competitive. I'd always been a fan of 
but I was not going to take the headshot. First day, I was hooked. It was just something I absolutely wanted to do. I actually signed up for my first competition in July of 2015. Got my ass kicked, as expected, with two months of training and not even consistent training. I uh, did gi and no gi, and in the gi match, as a white belt, I don't, I didn't have a stripe or anything. I tried to heel hook somebody. I wish I could say this is a bad thing, but the heel hook has proven very <laughs> effective for your career, especially considering just this past couple weekends ago, you did win via heel hook. So it's not bad. It might just be a little bit misplaced. What attracted you to trying to finish with a heel hook first? Most people, especially in the gi, don't get taught a heel hook. So was it a rogue uh, member of your club that was like, come here? Was it you watching fights and saying like, oh, you can attack the legs? Or was it you just watching YouTube videos and being like, oh, I'm an idiot. I know how this works. Don't worry. I've got this. <laughs> So it was me seeing them happen in fights. But the best part along with that is that I didn't get DQ. What? What do you mean get DQ'd? <laughs> in Iowa, do they look the other way and just go yeah, like, I didn't, didn't get... see it? Mm-mm. Nope, nope. Uh, so they just said, hey, hey, no heel hooks. The guy that I was trying to do to go uh, do the heel hook to was like, hey, he's trying to heel hook me. He's trying to heel hook me. My coach yells at me, hey, no heel hooks. I was like, okay, fine. It's like, fine, I won't do it, I guess. And then I spent the next seven years of my life heel hooking people. God damn it. Did you heel hook people in the gi again after that? So, the yes, absolutely. To preface <laughs> that, though, and to uh, give myself some credit here is that there was a tournament, uh, a local tournament that was called Submission Challenge, and they allowed heel hooks in the gi for purple and above. I'll tell you this much. I have definitely run tournaments where I've allowed people in, in the gi to heel hook, and I don't mind it. Do what you need to do. I also don't put white belts typically in my tournaments for this very reason, because I feel like a goon like you who just came from football and is like, well, I was 250, so I'm coming in with that 250 strength. And even though I'm not competing at 250, I'm still as strong as an ox at 250. So deal with it and goodbye knee. Womp womp. So that's usually one of the reasons why. I think the whole thing that you're explaining here is, the reason that rule exists is because of people like you, and it might not be a bad rule in that context. So there is that to consider. You won't hear an argument from me at all. Uh, when it, a, funny, a funny thing from a tournament is it was this local shitty tournament in the backwoods of Kansas City. They, and uh, say it's Kansas City, but it's not. Uh, it looks a lot like uh, where they filmed um, Roadhouse, mm. if I were to provide some context. Good. So this guy, before our match, he knows he's in my division, comes up to me and goes, you're not one of those leg lock guys, are you? <laughs> oh, no. 
<laughs> and I look at her. I look and go, no, of course not. I don't do that shit. So we go to face each other. And the very first thing I do is I pull a card and straight ankle lock him. Well, man, you are so many complex arguments all in one. Because if somebody did that to me, I'd be like, absolutely, go ahead and straight ankle lock that dude. Like, that, don't go up to people and ask them that. It's so hard to tell people how to compete. But there are certain ground rules of like, dude, you just told me what to do. Like, there's nothing in the rules that says I can't do this. So, yeah, that dude deserved yep. it. I don't know what else to tell you. And I hope he became a friend later on. But, uh, sir, if you did do that and you are listening, you did deserve that. And I don't know how to tell you any otherwise. Cause yeah, even with my kids, dude, I teach them stuff right away where I go, listen, I just need you to be aware of it to protect yourself. I don't need you to be good at it. We're not going to harp on this. We're not there yet. So sometimes when they like get out of straight ankle locks and they're like, I feel I'm ready. And I go, nope, nope, this is good for now. I'll teach you the stuff, but don't act like this yeah. is your game. And it's mostly because. I know people like you exist and I just know like, Hey, if you know nothing, it's dumb. But if you know a little bit at the very least, you know how to protect yourself. So that's more important to me. Yeah. Uh, at our gym, the head coach, uh, the, we have a rule that white belts can all, we definitely do leg locks with heel hooks and drilling and all that. But, and as far as live rolls, white belts can only do any of the linear leg locks, so they can do knee bars and straight angles. I think that's a good rule. And again, uh, even this weekend, I was covering some AMI fights, and uh, I was photographing it, and one of my homies was fighting, and it looked like he was going for a leg lock in an AMI fight, and I was like, no, you don't like, bro, that dude has shin guards on, it's just not going to happen. And then I saw him going for a knee bar and I go, I asked my friend to go, is he allowed to do that? And he goes, oh yeah, you can't do certain ones, but you can do knee bars. And I was like, these rules are so fucking arbitrary. I was like, no wonder he was trying to hit a knee bar. And I was like, dude, he was sacrificing position. I was like, at the point, just use it as a sweep, threaten it and sweep off of it. So I see the guy a little bit later and I pull him aside. I was like, hey, man, come here, come here. And he's like, oh, Raph, what's up? I was like, hey, man, so you lost. I'm not mad about that. But if you're going to do a leg lock, um, use it to sweep in the Rami fight so you don't know what the fuck you're doing, dude. He's like, okay. I go, all right, thank you. So, <laughs> so you mentioned that you got hooked right in away. Iowa, they... Oh, go ahead. Yep. No, I was going to say in Iowa, uh, our amateurs don't have any protection we don't have shin guards and shit like that it's full-blown shin to the dome heel hooks all of it it's so we have certain rules and it's they don't always have shin guards sometimes it's an option to have shin guards i think it's a, their earliest fights they do and honestly i don't even remember if they did or didn't they might not have but i just know that from my perspective trying to hit a leg lock in a amateur fight you better have a really good attack. Like it's too risky and it's not to say that it can happen, but if I haven't worked with you on it or I know your coach hasn't especially worked with you on it, there are better avenues. Um, especially just, again, this dude had every part of a sweep ready to go. And I was like, motherfucker. All right. Um, so when you said that you were hooked right away, but do you know why you were hooked? Because 
what I'm trying to put into context here is why did you feel the need to have to do martial arts? I know that you said you wanted something competitive and you didn't want shots to the head, which understandable, but were you the type that was wrestling around with your buddies when you were doing football? Were you uh, a high energy kid? Because if you had made it all the way to about 24 and this was your first experience with really doing martial arts, you know, what exactly spoke to you right then and there? So what really spoke to me is that I sucked at it, but I knew that it's one of those things that if you consistently did it, you would get better, but I could also be extremely competitive along the way, right? So at the end of the day, yes, I have a team, but I like having the option of it's me versus somebody else at the end of the day, right? So in football, you can always push it off to, oh, this person didn't do their job. I did everything I needed to. So it also makes you deep, uh, dig deep down and have this sort of self-reflection of, I, there's no excuse like, oh, I suck that day. That's just what it is, right? Mm-hmm. How do I get better? It's one giant, giant puzzle to be. Understood. That's good. I'm glad. I do like the, the self-accountability of the sport as well. I think it's very helpful when there's a lot of stuff that you want to accomplish. And I would always tell people they're like, Oh man, it's okay. And I was like, it's not okay. It's just, I got to learn it, you know? And I would tell people, I go, I, it was my fault that happened or, Oh, oh, it's all right. I'll figure something out here because the nice part is the reward is also, Oh, you either had friends help you get there. You learned it yourself, but the pulling it off is all you. So that does have a large redeeming quality to it. So just as much as we blame ourselves for being bad, you know, there is a certain kind of upside to being like, oh, I accomplished something. That's actually really cool. So uh, shout out doing it for yourself. Derek, when this does happen, though, can you tell me what was the first move that you remember landing? Was it a heel hook? Because everybody always has like their first move that was their thing. So what was the first move that you were pulling off with some success? Uh, a straight ankle. It's really funny because I did it. The first tournament I won, I won my matches all by straight ankle. And then the next week I went to a Dean Lister seminar. And that was the one of the biggest shit shows I'd ever seen in my life. Why? Oh, man. Um... I might get thrown under the rug for this, but whatever. Um, we Dean Lister, so the guy who hosted the the uh, seminar took Dean Lister out, but took him to a really shitty Council Bluffs. So if you're familiar with the Omaha area or Iowa in general, uh, or Nebraska, obviously, you know how bad Council Bluffs is. Not only did we go to a Council Bluffs bar, but we went to a Council Bluffs truck stop bar. And watching Dean try and move around the room was just disappointing. And then during the seminar, I probably shouldn't say this, but whatever, he was drinking Blue Moon's mat side. And like, if I'm Dean Lister, the last thing I want to do is go to Council Bluffs, Iowa, and teach a bunch of people who don't know leg locks, leg locks. So it was a very interesting seminar. I will say, Dean, friend of the show, uh, 
he's done some stuff like that. So I don't think you're an isolated incident. And he's also not the type to have ever hidden behind any of that stuff. So Dean's always been on the up and up with uh, all of us on that. And yeah, I remembered once, you know, we, he messaged me. He's like, hey, man, when can we do an interview? And I'm like, whenever you want, you're Dean Lister. Let me know. And so I remember trying to schedule something and then something came up and I have enough empathy to be like, hey, man, shit comes up. It's all good. We're not going anywhere. We're going to be a show forever. And he's like, all right, man, definitely, definitely. I think two years goes by and he's like, why haven't we done an interview? And I go, I don't dude, bro. You tell me it's not for lack of me wanting you on the show. It's just, do you have your stuff in order? Do you have time? Do you want to come on? I don't assume these things. And it's harder when people don't have say a match. If you have a match, it's easier to say like, well, let's promote that. In Deed's case, he wasn't competing as much, but he was asking to come on. And I was like, oh, shit, do you, can we help you with something? Can we plug something? Nah, I just kind of want to shoot the shit. Oh, okay. That seems fun. When do you want to come on? I don't know, man. All right. Well, Dean, we need to work on this. So I always assume if that's the case, you know, maybe they shouldn't go on air because I don't know what he's going through. And I later found out he was having a lot of back problems and he had to get surgeries. So I'm sure he was figuring like, well, I want to do something fun. So I don't harbor bad feelings, but I also don't pretend like, you know, a guest who's like, why haven't you put me on? It's like, well, because I want you to come on and you never got back to me. So, yeah, Dean's uh, an old school savage and I love the shit out of him. But I definitely next time I run into him, I'm like, I think he's going to try and clobber me uh, just out of like, I don't remember why I'm mad at you. And it's like you wanted to come on my show <laughs> and you didn't. And he'd be like, oh, right. Fuck me off. Oh. Raph, all right, good to see you, man. So I yeah. I fully expect that. Um, but that's great. That is a, a good thing. So what does martial arts mean to you now? Because you're what, seven years into this thing, eight years? Like what has transformed for you? Because yeah, you're a purple belt, but you compete pretty well and you're competing against people who aren't purple belts and you're doing a pretty good job in a lot of those matches. So what does martial arts mean to you now at your stage in your career at this point? Uh, so I don't want to go into the whole cliche martial arts is life and it's all Zen and all that. It's something that is in a never ending problem. Right. And it's never ending problem because everything evolves within the sport itself. So they have these different fads that go on that allow you to get better along the way. So I enjoyed the competition aspect along with it because it's a, I, I, I can measure myself. Right. So I can see where I've come along the way. There is uh, a good example of that is when I first started training, my goal was to win a single ADCC match ever. And now that I or ADCC trials match, I should say, let me take that back. But, and, and I've done, I've now won a match and I made it to the third round and lost to Dom Bell. And, and there, I didn't get submitted. Like, so, that thing I never would have imagined. So being able to continuously progress and always have new goals, it that's what I enjoy about it. That's why whatever martial arts means to me. It gives me an outlet. Well, Derek, you fit really well in the community and it is always fun to watch your matches. And, you know, I've seen a, a progression happen in a short amount of time for what you do 
you know, because even though I don't see you in person, I do see some of your matches. And when I do, I go, oh, hey, this kid's coming along because I can even remember uh, you on on it and being like, who is this kid with the weird name? Do I need to know who he is? And then I watch you and I go, oh, all right, there's something there to this kid. So you've been doing a lot of incredibly uh, good work over the years, and I, I'm very happy to see where you're progressing to. Having said that, your WWE is Thank bullshit. You. Your WWE BJJ is worse. I've seen actually regression in that form. I think there was no clear explanation of that than your attempt to do the simplest of things. And people wonder why I go hard on certain people. And for you, it's because you couldn't even provide a WWE BJJ video during the week. And you tried to do a salute and then asked me to count that retroactively. <laughs> and I'm like, this is bullshit. You can't even do it right here. Why am I going to put this as effort? So can I have you on the record here now? saying that you will do a WWE BJJ Week video for 2023. We'll see. No, 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 no. Fuck off, kid. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Next year, <laughs> not only are we going all out, because it's going to be in Hollywood, so think about that. Hmm? But you attempted something. It did not go great. It went okay. You made the best of it. And yet... You have a game other idiot. So most people don't have a co-partner on this. But Jordan literally beat up chairs. And you're wondering, like, I don't know who I have to do this with. And it's like, this dude's working with chairs. And you're like, if only I had a partner. Oh, we did train together today. Uh-oh. Oops. No, to be fair about that, Jordan and I don't train together anymore. I'm at a different gym. You are at a different gym, but you do occasionally cross-train with each other. He comes to the competition class that I run. So you do see each other. It's not like I'm inventing it. I don't care if you guys see each other every day. <laughs> I'm just saying maybe when you idiots get together, you take 30 seconds to do one of these videos because he can take a good bump and he matches out things pretty well. And you, I don't know what you do other than mess up Stone Cold Salutes. So other than your actual work of doing heel hooks, which good, but here it's a little different. Uh, maybe we'll throw something together. I'm, oh, uh, I'm very non-committal to things. So we'll see what I can put together for next year. Uh, I don't want to ru ruin the production behind it as well. So you may see something, you may not just have to check your inbox and if something comes in what what even is this what what are you even trying to angle for here this is the worst i don't know while we see i might do it i might not it depends on what i feel like do it or don't because i think you know what's going to happen when we eventually run into <laughs> each other is that i will be not only relentless on insulting you in person but that i will be relentless on attacking you now, I don't think my jiu-jitsu is better than yours, but that's never stopped me before. And there are many people who will vouch for that. So what's going to happen here is if I end up hitting you with a chair, I will feel no sympathy for you. I won't be checking in on you and saying like, hey, man, you okay? I'm going to literally be hovering over you with the chair thinking, you know what? I know he's got a lot of concussions, so I should keep hitting him in the head. 
see, here's here's your fatal mistake with that mm. is that I might see you first. You might get hit with a chair first. I may have other tools. I may have a sledgehammer. Who knows? I may be able to sneak up on you. I'm harder to spot than you. Is that true? You think about that. You're not a small <laughs> guy, my friend. And although my head is pretty big and I stand out in a crowd for obvious reasons, for you, I still am not going to get lost. I'm not going to be like, who's this guy? You're going to be wearing a dumb hat of some sort. It's pretty easy to spot you as is. And then, listen, dude, even if I were to give a rendering of your hair right now and tell like a police officer, I'd be like, well, he's going a little gray right now. I'm just saying, officer. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm gray as hell. <laughs> But here's here's my question. Mm. We can have a head size off. Do you know what size hat you wear on a fitted hat? No, because I don't wear hats. Also, why would I get a fitted hat when my head is too big for hats, you idiot? What a dumb question. It's not too big. I think I have a bigger head, but that's just me. It's possible, yeah, but I also know it's increased because of the concussions you've had where it's just expanded in cartoon <laughs> form. So it's not something I want to brag about. It's like, Raph, I've got more CTE than you. You win. Congrats. <laughs> I can tell you, can you though. You so much. <laughs> I can tell you, though, that my head is so legendary that my mom would roast me as to how big my head was. And I was like, you birthed me. You don't get to roast oh, me on this. My mom, uh, I'll see if I can find the text message from my mom. But she sent me a picture of me as a kid. And one of my ears has always stuck out. And she, in the text, just very backhandedly goes, yeah, you've always had big ears. I just thought you'd grow into them. <laughs> Out of absolutely nowhere. I was like, thanks, Mom. I just needed roasted today. You see, my story is this. Once we're moving, we're trying to move a couch off a balcony from one uh, level to another. And I go downstairs. My dad and my brother-in-law are trying to help me. And this is, we're 15 years apart, each of us, so... My brother-in-law is 15 years older than me. My dad's 15 years older than him at this point. I literally have a couch that I'm holding up and the two of them are supposed to help come support me and they aren't. They're supposed to run down the stairs to come help and my dad's like, ah, shit, and runs down. Meanwhile, I'm starting <laughs> to lose this entire couch that I'm holding by myself and I find that I can balance it on my head. My mom and my sisters walk over to the side. My mom, without missing a beat, just goes, I always knew that big head would come in hand for something. And I was like, mom, not the time. Very funny. Really not in that place. Be, but when like my dad and my brother-in-law. You'd be one hell of a gather back in the day. <laughs> my, yeah, I would. My mom and my brother-in-law and my dad are all like, you know, maybe you need to work out a little bit more. I was like, my head balanced an entire couch. What the fuck do you mean I need to get stronger? <laughs> None of you helped me. So, uh, yeah, that's that's one of the age-old stories. All right, kid, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you a chance to say a shout-out, a thanks, sponsors, anybody who's taking care of you. I want you to go ahead and give some acknowledgments. Camera is on you. Feel free to give a shout-out to anybody you want, especially those who helped you win this last tournament, sir. Yeah, so the first thank you to go to my coach, Hendrick uh, Gracie Des Moines, uh, Karsten Carlson. A big help. He's evolved my game quite a bit. Then everything else goes to my teammates and their ability to push me. Uh, those are the main group of people that helped me win. 
that's what's up. Congratulations to you, by the way. Like I said, Thank you. I do feel like you provide a lot of good jujitsu, and I always like that. You know, you're good to Jordan, and he's good to you, but that you do produce good matches for him, and I, I do have a lot of respect for that. So, um, my appreciation for you and doing this here today. Uh, I'm gonna say bye to you off air, but I'm gonna close this up, and we'll leave this, I guess, with an ellipsis because now it's a who finds who first, and I have a feeling. As nice and as schemey as you think you are, you are nowhere close to the heel that I am and the abilities that I have when I really take advantage of idiots. Well, I'd have to be an idiot for you to take advantage of me then. So I'm going to clip that after <laughs> I have video of me hitting you with the steel chair. So thank you for that clip. Anyways, thanks to Derek. Appreciate you, Derek Flagg. I'll say bye to you off air. All right, here's what we're gonna do, you guys. I just wanna give a couple quick reminders. Number one, if you haven't subscribed and liked this video, boo, boo to you. It would mean so much to me if you just take a couple seconds, like, subscribe. And if you wanna become a member, go to Restream. I'm not sorry, that's a different thing. <laughs> go to high page backslash grappling hour right down here. That'll tell you where you need to go. All that good stuff. My name's Rafa Sparza. It has been a great day for grappling. We'll see you back on the mats. Perfect. Perfect.